then who? There's not a generous heart. It's not a generous heart, an open heart, a humble heart that he's approaching the Lord with. It is, it is really a closed heart. What's like, tell me where the line is, you know? Like, just like, where, where's that line? And we can do the same thing many times as we approach the Lord, like, oh, okay, uh, because I have to, but like where, like, where do I really have to? So just opening our heart before the Lord, like, Lord, what do you want? What do you desire? And then Jesus tells him this parable, and we're all familiar with this parable, the, par- the, the, the parable of the Good Samaritan. And in here is like a microcosm of really salvation history and our own story with the Lord Jesus. That we have, it says here, a man fell victim to robbers as he went from Jerusalem to Jericho. Again, Jerusalem is the place where the temple was, the place of worship, a place of communion with God, a place of communion with him. And Jericho was known as a city of sin. We go back in scripture, you remember it was the walled city there and they're going around and it was known for its particular sinfulness. And actually even physically, Jerusalem is, is up on a mountain, right? And Jericho is down by the Dead Sea. It's actually one of the lowest cities on earth. And so there's this physical movement going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. But spiritually, what the Lord is trying to get across is this movement from communion with the Lord away from him. From communion away in sin. So this man fell victim to robbers. Now, again, he could have fallen victim to robbers going in the other direction. Like, hey, I'm going, I want to grow in my relationship with the Lord. I want to worship him. I want to be in deeper communion. But the fact is he, he, he fell victim on his way away. And it's key. Why is it key we're going to learn later the direction that he was going in. So it says they stripped and beat him and went off, leaving him half dead. He was stripped and beaten and left half dead. And this, this is us, and so this is, this is important. At the fall, right, at the fall, the first sin, we lost communion with God. We lost our likeness to him. We're created in his image and likeness. But there's still the image of God that remains in our soul. And so we are not utterly depraved. There were, uh, you know, Martin Luther and others of, of those in the Protestant Reformation, like, nope, humanity is just utterly depraved. Where Jesus is clear here in the scriptures, and again, is using this, this parable, is like he was left half dead. Like there is a fact that he's like cut off from communion with the Lord, but there is still goodness in his very nature. And for us, it's the same. That when we have fallen away, even committing mortal sin, like we don't, we, we don't want to die in a state of mortal sin, right? Because we'd be eternally separated from the Lord in unrepented mortal sin. But at, at our very core, at our very nature, we're still good. Sharing in God's image. And so here he is. And then, right, we have a priest and then a Levite. And what do they do? They help him. No, they don't. They just walk by. Now, we don't ultimately know why they just walked by, like what was the particular reason, but, you know, different scripture scholars and awes and people have walked through and thought, okay, well, maybe this, maybe that. 
I wonder, we'd ask ourselves, we know like very well uh, publicly, right, everybody in the church is imperfect and, and, and we can all be going in multiple directions, closer to the Lord or further from the Lord. And maybe the priest and the Levite actually were leaving Jerusalem and going towards Jericho. Maybe they were doing that physically, but maybe also interiorly, that's, that's where they were going. This has happened, this does happen, it's a sad reality. And so they're like not in communion with the Lord, thinking of themselves, they just go right by him. But then we have a Samaritan. And the Samaritan, Jesus is like making a big point here. They were just like the arch rival enemies hated by the Jewish people. They seemed, you know, there were so many things we could get into that, but they were like, nope, Samaritan. Literally, a lot of times, pious Jews, if they had to travel across the country and they had to go through Samaria, they would just go around it. And, and, and travel was not easy then. It's not like, you know, it's going to take me an extra 20 minutes to drive around Samaria. We have this, like, nice interstate loop. We're just going to go around. I mean, it was rough. So it's a real sacrifice to actually go around. But like, no. They are just scum. I'm not even going to walk in their town. We're just going right around. And so Jesus says this Samaritan, he is the one who sees this man beat up, left for half dead, and he's moved with compassion. Notice he doesn't just help him out of, like, obligation. He's like, oh, my gosh, like, I got to do this. Like there's a movement of compassion in his heart. And he goes towards him. And it says, what it says, he approached the victim and he poured oil and wine over his wounds and he bandaged them and he lifted him up on his own animal and he took him to an inn and cared for him. Not afraid of the absolute mess of who this stranger was left for half dead. Who is the good Samaritan here? It is Jesus himself. It is Jesus. Who is the person in the ditch? Me. You. We are the ones, at some point, in the past, maybe in the present, in the future, moving away from the Lord. And the Lord is not going to leave us there. And he sees us. And some of what has happened in the mess and the herd and the things in our life like, can be the result of our own sin. Some of it can be the result of what other people have done to us. But he's not afraid. Like He enters in. And this oil and this wine, what is this oil and this wine? These are the sacraments. The ways in which Jesus now still today is like physically, bodily, incarnationally pouring his love into our life. When we're baptized, when we're confirmed, when we're anointing of the sick, like all of this, like this anointing oil of Jesus. The wine, what is the wine? The Eucharist. 
He's just pouring it in and he's putting us on his animal. He's taking us to the end. What is the end? The church. Is the end perfect? No. But is the place that Jesus has established for our healing and our community. And he's paying for it himself, right? It's like whatever you need, free. He's giving his grace. Who is my neighbor? And then Jesus, right? Jesus says, hey, who, who, who in this story, right? Was it the priest? Was it the Levite? Who was the neighbor? And at this point, the scholar of the law is like, well, um, uh, couldn't even say the Samaritan. Wouldn't even say it. He said, uh, the, the one who treated him with mercy. And Jesus says, yeah, go. Go and do Likewise. This is his greatest commandment. They're asking him back and forth. He's trying to hymn Jesus in. And a lot of times, brothers and sisters, we're trying to like hymn the Lord in. And the Lord's like, I, I just want you to open your heart. And the thing that the place was here, before we can go and do likewise, we have to acknowledge that we are the person in the ditch. And we have to allow Jesus to approach us. So I want you this week, I want you to pray with these scriptures. And I want you to pray and I want you to imagine that St. Ignatius would counsel us to use our imagination that, that you're the person in the ditch and that Jesus himself comes to you and he anoints you with his oil, with his wine. He puts you on his own animal. He takes you to the end. He himself cares for you. And what is it like? What is it like for the Lord himself to care for you do you allow him do I allow him to care for me that way because it's only when we allow him to care for us this way will our hearts be changed enough that then we can be the good Samaritan that we won't do something merely out of obligation or duty, but of the experience and the change of our heart from the compassion of Jesus upon us. Who, who is neighbor? The Lord himself. Who's the person in the ditch? Me and you. And if we want to be like Christ, we have to acknowledge that first and let him be the Savior for us. And as we counter his mercy, then it moves us, it changes us to do that for others. Let us not be afraid this week as we pray with this passage to allow the Lord Jesus to love us in this way, that we might, experiencing his glory, Go and do likewise. Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. 
there was a scholar of the law who stood up to test Jesus and said, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? He said in reply, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your being, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. He replied to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But because he wished to justify himself, he said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man fell victim to robbers as he went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. They stripped and beat him and went off leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down that road. When he saw him, he passed by on the opposite side. Likewise, a Levite came to the place, and when he saw him, he passed by on the opposite side. But a Samaritan traveler who came up upon him was moved with compassion at the sight. He approached the victim, poured oil and wine over his wounds, and bandaged them. Then he lifted him up on his own animal, took him to an inn, and cared for him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper with the instruction, Take care of him. If you spend more than what I have given you, I shall repay you on my way back. Which of these three, in your opinion, was neighbor to the robber's victim? He answered, The one who treated him with mercy. Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. The Gospel of the Lord. Come, Holy Spirit, we'll give you permission to do what you desire. Make our minds, hearts, and souls, Lord, fertile soil, that your word may bear good fruit in our life. Illuminate these scriptures for us. Convict and console our hearts. Speak, for your servants are listening. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. The parable, the parable of the Good Samaritan, one that we're very familiar with. As we said before, sometimes we're, we're so familiar with something that we can think, oh yeah, I, I know what that means, and just move on. But to, to give ourselves or to give the Holy Spirit an opportunity to speak something deeper or something new to us. What's the context here? There is a scholar of the law who's trying to test Jesus, right? He doesn't have an open heart. He's not approaching with humility and openness to desire to hear what the Lord has to say. But he's trying to test him. We can do the same things many times in our own relationship with the Lord. It's like, hey... What's the greatest commandment? And Jesus is like, come on, man. Like, I know you know. What do you say it is? What does the law say? And so then he gives what the law says. And Jesus says, yes, you have answered well. Um, do this and you will live. And so 
then the the scholar of the law is like again trying to like okay like I know what the law is telling me to do and it feels like like this obligation so like how far is my obligation like where's the line you know like in our life how many times we're like where's the line you know like whatever this thing is and the Lord like so he so he says who's who's my neighbor like how many people do I really have to love this way like who's my neighbor so Jesus tells this parable of the Good Samaritan. We have this parable, again, this kind of the setting of what's happening. Again, he's not open. He, he, he's just seeking. He's like, what's the bare minimum requirement here? Well, who, he, so here's the parable. A man fell victim to robbers as he went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Now, physically, Jericho, uh, Jerusalem is on a mountain. Jericho is down by the Dead Sea. It's actually one of the lowest cities on the earth. And so there's this physical movement from a high place to a low place. But spiritually, Jerusalem is the place where the temple is, where the Lord has called people in right worship, where it's communion with the Lord. Those who are seeking a deeper relationship with the Lord to be in right relationship with Him are going towards Jerusalem. Jericho is known in the scriptures over and over as a city just wrought with sin. And so you have this like physical descent down, but also there's a movement away from communion with God and in pursuit of one's own desires in the midst of sin. Like this is where this man is going. It's important for us to, to know this, what happens later. Now it says he fell victim to robbers. Now this doesn't matter. Like he could have fallen victim to robbers going towards Jerusalem, but he fell victim heading towards Jericho. So they stripped and beat him, leaving him half dead. Now it's important, this whole uh, parable is really like a summary of salvation history in a way. It's a summary of salvation history and our own relationship with the Lord as well. And so they left him half dead. What happens? He's half dead. Well, at the fall, right, we lost, in the midst of sin, we lost communion with the Lord, the state of grace in our souls. And so we commit a mortal sin, the same thing. We lose the state of grace in our souls. But we are still creating God's image. There's still a natural goodness that is there given to us by the Lord. Whereas, like Martin Luther, John Calvin, those guys, those, the, the Protestant reformers, they would say, no, we are completely bad, like utter depravity, utter depravity. There's nothing good about us. And the Catholic Church has always said that's, that's not true. Actually, when we're not in a state of grace, again, that's, that's a serious reality. We don't want to die, not in a state of grace. But there's still a natural goodness as we're created in the Lord's image. And so the man's half dead here is this kind of symbolic reality. But now two people pass by initially. You have a priest who passed by and then a Levite. And what do they do? They stop and take care of him, right? No. They go on the other side of the road. And so the Lord is saying, like, hey, like what? These are the people we're supposed to stop. Why are they not stopping? We ultimately don't know. Right? We don't even know what direction they're going in. They're going Jericho to Jerusalem, Jerusalem to Jericho. We don't know, but we know this, in this instance, like, they do not stop to help. And the Lord is rebuking them for that in this. 
Like, again, were they interiorly moving away from the Lord, even though they held this office in, um, in, in, in the Jewish religion? Like, where were they? They were, like, not moved with compassion and sought to, to go around this man. Whereas, now the Samaritan shows up. And this is where anytime Jesus is talking about a Samaritan for the Jewish people, and he's putting them in a good light, is like, Oh, it's like rubbing salt in a wound. Why? Because the Samaritans were people that the Jews hated the most. The most. And we could go into because some of the Jews left, they intermarried, they were worshiping in a different place, and like all this is like, ah, we hate the Samaritans. So much so that oftentimes pious Jews, if they had to pass through Samaria, they literally went around it. Now, it's one thing to say, like, if you're going, you're like, hey, I don't like people from Houston, I'm just going to drive around, like you got a car, there's an interstate system, a loop, you can go around, I don't want to go through the traffic, whatever it is, but like at this time, first century Judaism, to go around a place was like a big deal, you are adding a long time and a lot of energy and provisions to your journey, so it's just like you see the hatred that they had, it's not a good thing. So here's this Samaritan, and the Samaritan sees the guy in the ditch, and then what does, this, what, what does it say? Oh, he felt obligated to help him. No. He was moved with compassion. He had pity on him. And not pity like, ah, oh, like I pity you, but like this real compassion. He was moved with compassion, like the Samaritan is the one who had a heart in communion with the Lord and saw this man in God's image and likeness, and he said he went to him. And he poured oil and wine on his wounds, and he bandaged him. Who is the person in the ditch? Us. We're the person oftentimes in our relationship with the Lord, we're moving away from him and we're heading towards Jericho and, you know, we're, we're just in a bad spot. Who's the Samaritan? Jesus. Jesus is the Samaritan who's moved with compassion and he comes in this oil and this wine. What is this? Those are the sacraments. At baptism, we are anointed at confirmation, we are anointed. There's the anointing of the sick. There's this, this anointing oil, right? And then the wine, what is that? It's a symbol of the Holy Eucharist. Jesus giving his very life, the Samaritan here giving his very life, and then taking him, putting him on his own animal, taking him to the end. What is the end? The end is the church. The church is imperfect, sure, but Jesus brings to the church because he is present there in his body and through the grace of the sacraments and the healing life of the community, the person can be brought back to spiritual health. And he's like, if you need anything more, like I'm gonna come back, like it, this is the Lord coming again at the, end of, at the end of the age. And then he says, hey, you saw what the Samaritan did? Go do that. So the scholar of the law at this point is like, <clears throat> I wish I wouldn't ask you that question. Right? The guys who were on my team didn't look good. 
and the guys we don't like, he did the right thing. Go and do likewise. Now, how? How can he actually go and do likewise? How can we? Because that's the call to us as well. We're, we're all kind of multiple folks in here. We could be the priest. We could be the Levite. We, but we're definitely the person in the ditch. And why do we have to be the person in the ditch first? It's because if we don't allow the Lord into our own brokenness and our own sin, we don't know what it's like to be him, to be the good Samaritan for others. If we have not first experienced it, we do not know what it's like to give that to and for someone else, to be Christ to and for someone else. So I want to ask you this week to take this gospel passage and to pray with it. And St. Ignatius would counsel people to pray at times, again, using their imagination, and to, to imagine that you are the person in the ditch. And that Jesus himself comes to you. And he ministers to you. Oftentimes we don't want, like we don't want to let the Lord into those places in our heart. Like, Lord, love me from a distance. But if we don't really let him in, that we would experience his healing, compassion, and mercy in our life, then we, don't, we won't know what that is like. We won't experience it at the depth that he desires and then calling us to do the same. This week, as we're called to be the good Samaritan, we first need to be the person in the ditch and allow Jesus to come and meet us and meet us with the grace of his mercy, meet us with the grace of the sacraments in a powerful, efficacious way. Don't stiff arm him. Let him in. Because what if the guy in the ditch would have been like, no, 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 I'm too embarrassed. Like, I can take care of myself. He's dead. It's over. Game over for him. But he allowed the Lord to save him. Are you, am I, allowing the Lord to save me, to heal me, to restore me in my brokenness? So that having been restored by Christ and continuing to be restored by Christ, that we can go and allow his heart to love others in and through us as his body. Imitating him, allowing him to live within us as the good Samaritan. So this week, we pray. And we pray as the person in the ditch that Jesus might love us, that our hearts would be transformed by his mercy, by the grace of the sacraments, that we too can go what Jesus told the scholar of the law. What you have heard, go and do likewise. You've been listening to the Christ the King at LSU podcast. If you would like to become a golden giver or learn more about what we do, please visit ctklsu.org.